Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you through song, through our presence here, and our praying, the study of your word, to acknowledge that you are good, you are faithful. We love you. We want to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our encourager, our teacher. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you for these testimonies of faith today. People publicly declaring their faith in you. Thank you for the way you're changing lives. And I pray in this hour, Lord, that you would again be free to work, draw people to you. Lord, would you take every story in this room and just go there, meet there, and work. Maybe, Lord, somebody today also needs to trust you as Lord and Savior. Need to go public with their faith. Lord, I pray that uh, this time of us being right here in this room together, you'd send us back out this week, bold, strong, ready to represent you, Lord Jesus, in the world that we're in. We want to hear from you today, and we pray, Jesus, in your name, amen. Seated and exciting to hear some from these students that are graduating from high school. I often think about this time that uh, it would be a a strong video if we let the parents speak on this weekend and uh, maybe get some uh, comments about what the journey's been like. A lot of uh, different stories. May's a a wild month for a lot of people, Uh, whether it's preschool graduation or high school graduation or college graduation, a lot of changes in life for a lot of different people. I want to um, mention to you that we're, we're headed towards summer, you know that, that we will be back this summer in our Songs of Summer series. We work through the summer just psalm by psalm by psalm and we've done that for more than 10 years and if you're new here just a little heads up that right at the 1st of June, we'll pick up where we left off last summer, and we'll be in Psalm 95, and we'll do several psalms this summer, and then stop, Lord willing, we'll pick up the next summer, uh, where we leave off this summer. About 90% of the time, I'm preaching through books of the Bible, and we just work chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through different books. We just finished the Gospel of Matthew, and... um, I can think of really only one negative to preaching through books of the Bible like that. And that is there's a tendency, at least for me personally, to preach through a book and then it feels like it's a long time before I get back to that book again. And it actually is kind of a, a, a marker for me, like I'll say with the Gospel of Matthew, traveling for several weeks through that Gospel and wherever I go, I've got like this sack of books with me and a notepad. And they're thinking about Matthew, writing about it. And then there's that Monday when you finish the book. And you go back in the office and I'm sitting there with that stack of books and my notes. And it's really kind of fun to just put all those books back on the shelf. You feel like you've done something. But it often is a long time before we go back to that. And uh, as we work through Psalms, sometimes it's like we think um, we only do Psalms in the summer, all right? No other time. 
We're going to break the rule this morning, all right? So let's open our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Psalms. And I want us to go to Psalm 57. Psalm 57, if you, there's probably some saint in the room that has a Bible that's dated 7-22-18. Pastor Carlos preached through and said, there he is, preaching those same sermons again. Uh, but uh, this is a different day, a different message from Psalm 57. Today actually is a little less sermon and a little more devotional. And I guess it's an invitation to my den chair and journal more than it is an invitation to my study and, and, and books. A triad of life events have collided this week that has affected my daily devotional reading and it's bleeding over into this day. If you're using the church reading plan, Wednesday would have been a day that we would have read Psalm 57. And as we take those psalms just one by one by one, I got stopped there on Psalm 57 and realized that at least three things were colliding together all on that day. And I think several of you can identify with some of these things. One is our current conversation about still going. Uh, two weeks ago and then last week, I put in front of you a lot of information, a lot of details about where we're going as a church, what we're looking at in the future, believing this is God's leadership. Last week, we talked about a new church plant where we're sending out Joel and Jennifer Shinpo after the first of the year, a new church plant in five points, a, a lot of details with, with that, and just the whole concept of those pieces of still going just thinking about that looking that it's 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 bigger than me it's it's more than anything I know how to do more than anything any one of us can do by ourselves and say Lord how does this work how's this going to work that was the first thing the the second thing is just even where we are with kids stuff in our in our home like many of you we have a graduate but our graduate is graduating from UGA and I, I, I know that you love hearing me say that we have a graduate from the University of Georgia. All right? I know that, uh, and I, I, I love saying that. And a lot of reasons for that. And, um, and then a, a third thing is that I woke up Wednesday morning in Cleveland, Tennessee. Cleveland, Tennessee is the place where Carl and I moved first to right out of seminary in 92 uh, we uh, were there for eight years pastoring Macedonia Baptist Church. We were back there on Wednesday visiting a lot of those friends that were a part of our life during that season. And all of those three events had me reading in Psalm 57, actually not thinking so much about the past as thinking about the future. And when you think about things like graduation and you think about uh, starting new things and you think about emphasis like still going and I'm thinking Lord there's a lot of things that we're thinking about right now that have to do with the future and maybe you're kind of like that or you look and listen to things about the life of our church and say how is that going to ever happen you probably have some kid stuff going on in your life 
uh, where that's a, you're wondering about the future and you have hopes as a graduate, you have hopes as, a, as somebody that's finishing something and starting something new, you have a history of events, thinking about what will that mean for the future. And, and here's the statement that I wrote down Wednesday in my journal. I don't know if you can identify with this or not, but there is, there is nothing more intimidating to me than the future. There's nothing more intimidating to me than the future. And here, here's the reason I say that. I, when, I, when I think about the future and I think about if this future is left up to me, that's intimidating. If I've got to make happen all the hopes, if I've got to make happen all the going, if I've got to make happen all the things, whether it's health or relationships or jobs, careers, locations, uh, financial security, if I'm the one, if that's all on me, I'm telling you, the future is intimidating. Well, what do you do to not get paralyzed just thinking about the future? If you take your circumstances right now and you take all the information and knowledge that, you know, they, they used to say knowledge in our world is like doubling every seven years. They said knowledge in our world is like doubling every seven months. Some people say knowledge in our world, information in our world is doubling like every seven minutes. I mean, what, do, what do we do with all those things we're seeing? We look at it and we rapidly run from those headlines because we don't know how that's going to affect the future for us, our kids, our grandkids, the next season of life, and the future can be intimidating. Well, Psalm 57, even though it's a thousand years old, a thousand years written uh, here, it seems just as current as today. David in Psalm 57 was caught between we might say he was caught between a rock and a hard place. He actually was caught between a crazy king and a dead-end cave. There's, there's pretty strong indication that it was the, it was, uh, the cave of Engadi. And it was a place where he had taken refuge with a group of soldiers. And King Saul was pursuing him, trying to end his life. He was jealous of David. He wanted to get him off the scene. He was crazy with passion to see that happen. And he winds up in this same cave, 1 Samuel 24 tells us, as David. David's in the back of the cage, in the back of the cave with his group of soldiers. Saul is in the front of the cave with his group of soldiers. Doesn't realize David is in there. David's troops tell him, Saul is in the front of the cave. This is your chance to get rid of him. Or it could be your chance that you're going to be destroyed by him. And one of the wildest things, I don't know how this happens, but somehow in that event, David writes a song. And it's, you've got to admit, it's pretty supernatural for us to have a song that was written about David in a cave a thousand years ago, and that song has made it to us. How did that happen? Well, let's read it. We have it. Verse 1 
Listen to what David wrote about those circumstances. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So, what do we do with fear? When the future is right in front of our face. Back to devotional time. I don't know how you use your Bible. Maybe you write in your margins or underline. I, I love doing that and just put thoughts that come. And when I look at my Bible today, Psalm 57, I realize verse 2 is underlined from Wednesday. And I wrote two phrases beside it. Verse 2, I cry out to God most high. I wrote there, and if you want to do this, just hear this. That phrase, I cry out to God most high, I drew an arrow to that phrase, and I wrote, what I do. That's what I do. I cry out to God most high. That's what I do. Next phrase. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. I drew an arrow to that phrase. And I wrote, what God does. What God does. What do I do? I cry out to God. What does God do? He fulfills his purpose for me. And today when we think about this, I just I want to kind of unpack that a little bit and think about when we face the future, the way we face the future driven by faith instead of driven by fear is to recognize what we do and recognize what God does. And here's what happens. It seems to me that the reason that fear will grip our hearts when we think about the future is that we reverse those. And we start trying to do what God does instead of letting God do what God does. And we think that the responsibility is on us to fulfill our future. And we ask God just to get in on it and bless it. And I want to show you that faith comes when we do what we're supposed to do and we let God do what he does. So what do I do with the future? What, what do you do with a future that can be intimidating? I, I want to give you three phrases 
and I want to explain them. And maybe, again, if you write in your Bibles, this might be a good, quick resource for you just to write inside the back of your Bible on a blank page there, somewhere in the margin, these three phrases. What do I do? Number one, I cry out. Number two, I sing out. And number three, I speak out. When you're looking at the future this morning, you think about what's next. You think about what's going to happen in June. What's going to happen in July? What's going to happen in 24? What's ahead for the life of our church? What's ahead for your family? What's ahead for you as a man or a woman or a teenager or a 20-year-old? Number one, David shows us that we cry out. Verse two, I cry out to God most high. I cry out to God and we see even before verse 2 what he cried out for we see that he cried out for mercy he cried out for mercy mercy is God given to us what we don't deserve you remember the childhood game I hope it's a childhood game not an adult game you remember the game mercy used to play that uh, I hope you're not sitting around at work playing mercy with your 30 year old work partner but you put those fingers together and you bend them back and you see who can bend the farthest until somebody cries what? Mercy. And, and, you, and, you, and what you're saying is, is that I, I, I need you to do something. I need you to give me some relief. Mercy is us saying to God, don't, don't give me what I deserve. Give me some relief. I need mercy. I cry out for mercy. He says in verse 1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in my soul, for in you my soul takes refuge. He cries out for mercy. That's what we do. He says, I cry out next for shelter. He says, for in you my soul takes refuge. Refuge, a place to hide, a place for shelter, a place to be protected a place where we can't be harmed, and he's crying out to God, be merciful to me, my soul takes refuge in you, and then he cries out for patience. Where? He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge, how long? Till the storms of destruction pass by. King David is saying, literally, I'm in this cave, Saul wants to end my life, I need mercy, I need shelter, I need refuge, I need to wait for you to work. I'm going to hide in the shadow of your wings till this storm passes by. So what do we do? We cry out for mercy. We cry out for refuge or shelter in God. You know what? You know what can happen? Notice here that he, he's in a cave, but his, he, he's, he's not taking refuge in the cave. He was not confident that being in this physical place of protection would be what he needed to survive. Our tendency, our tendency can be to take our shelter in physical refuges. If, I don't know what the... What's the plural for refuge? I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, shelters. Physical shelters. That we think, if I've got enough money, I'll be safe. I've got this degree, 
therefore it's going to be okay. I got this degree from a particular university. I'm going to be fine. I've got this experience. And, and because I've got this experience, I'm safe. I'm secure. My refuge is settled. I've got my house. I've got my piece of land. I've got my car. I've got the, and, we, and we can look and say, I've, I've got my health. I've got my ability. I've got my strength. I can take refuge. David, in a cave with an army of soldiers, says, not the cave is my shelter. God, my soul rests in you. What do you and I do in our future? We don't boast in the physical things that we have. We cry out to God for him to be our mercy, for him to be our shelter, for him to give us patience to wait on him. Really what was happening in the circumstances of David's life was his prayer life was developing. His dependence on God was developing. And one of the things, you've, you've seen this, that when we mature in Christ, one of the things that happens is that we don't become more independent the longer we follow Christ, that if we're growing in Christ, when we walk with him, we actually become more dependent on Christ. We need him more. We need him in, when we look at the future, and it's not we've got it figured out. We're saying, I'm looking at the f future, and I don't have it figured out. God, I need mercy. I need patience. I need shelter. Lord, I need to hear from you. I need you to show up. I need my soul to be hidden in you. Cry out for mercy. We cry out in desperation. We cry out in dependence. I cry out. Number two, I sing out. I sing out. I love, I love that this warrior this this fighter this guy with soldiers around him in a cave with a army attacking him sings he sings verse 7 my heart is steadfast oh god my heart is steadfast i will sing and make melody Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. You know how we face the future? We face the future with a song. What kind of song? Not a song of complaint. Not, not a song of sinfulness. Not a song of fleshly desires we face the future with a song of praise a song that praises God for who he is you want to change your fear into faith you may need to change your song you may need to change the songs that you're feeding your heart your soul that's coming into your ears you may need to change the channel you may need a new playlist you may need a new station. Whatever way music is fed to you. King David says, I sing out. And he said, I sing out praises. I will sing praises to you. Praise, again, is, is putting into song. He said, I'm putting into song who you are, God. 
we have those songs written in psalms we have songs today for us to sing it's amazing to me as i was working through this just spending time in these verses as i was read through as i would read through these verses the songs that would come to mind and songs that just bubble up i hadn't thought of in years and even reading some of these verses i by the end of the verse i'd be singing the song as i realized i'd learned the song before i knew it was a verse in psalm uh, one's right there. I bet some of you of another generation would know, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I'll spare you. You know, you think it could, my kids are thinking, no, Dad, just keep preaching, don't sing. It, it, the, the songs of our heart, this, they, they, they rise up. And, and David was saying, here's what I'm doing. I sing it. For us, it would be like singing in our days of fear, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It would be us singing, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It would be us singing, how great is our God. How great is our God. It would be us singing, God our refuge. God our strength. God our hope. And, and, and David is saying, here's what I do. When I look out into what's surrounding me and my circumstances, I cry out and I sing out. My most fearful days seem to be the days that I sing the, less, the least. Or at least I sing the wrong songs. Here's the third thing. I speak out. Verse 9. I speak out. Verse 9 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. And just stop right there. What would he speak out? Thanksgiving. I cry out, I sing out praise, I speak out thanksgiving, I speak out gratitude. And one of the ways we face the future with faith instead of fear is to thank God for what he's already done. That trip back to Cleveland, Tennessee, first pastorate. 1992 to now, 31 years later, you're just thinking, Lord, you have been so good. You've been so faithful. Our oldest son turned 30 yesterday, and you just look back, and I think there are three decades of testimony of God's faithfulness, God's goodness. Speak it out. Like, say it. Like, Lord, I thank you, and, and, and just fill in the blank Lord I thank you for your faithfulness I thank you for my job I thank you for my family I thank you for food to eat I thank you for my health I thank you for my education I thank you for my friends I thank you for my car I thank you for the trees the flower we just Lord I thank you we're recognizing that what we have comes from him that's what we do well what does he do he says in verse 2, he fulfills his purpose for me. If you were reading that in the Hebrew, it would be something like this, to God who gomer. If you translated the Hebrew into English letters, it would be G-O-M-E-R. I look at that, I think gomer. Now there's a lot of things that come to mind when we use the word gomer. Well, the Hebrew word here is likely pronounced something like that and and it's a word that means fulfills his purpose it has to do it means this God finishes what he starts God perfects 
God begins something and he completes it. He finishes it. And that's the sovereignty of God that David is recognizing. He is saying, God is sovereign. I'm in a cave with a crazy king. I'm caught between a king and a cave. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what the future holds, but I know this. God fulfills his purpose for me. And God said I would be a king. And I wonder, all those promises that would start rolling through David's mind where he would begin to, I know it looks dark. I know it looks overwhelming. I know it looks impossible, but I know that God fulfills his promise for me. How does he do that? Three ways. He will save us. He will save us. Verse five, verse three, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame. Number two, he will shame our enemies. He gives a vivid description here of of how enemies come against us with words and accusations, threats. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Here's what he says he'll do. Not only will he save us, he will shame our enemies. One of the things that will cause fear about our future is if we think that we have to be the ones to confront our enemies. David shows us in 1 Samuel 24 he would not put his hand on King Saul he would leave that to God and such a reminder to us that God will do what we need to do he fights battles for us and then third he will send his two mightiest warriors to our rescue what are those mighty warriors It's at the end of verse 3. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I've gotten to where in time that I just capitalize steadfast love and capitalize faithfulness. I see those as God's attributes, but like warriors. Warriors. That he sends and he, he comes to our life in uncertain times and he says here's steadfast love and here is faithfulness to fight for you so we keep going we keep going we keep going out because he keeps showing up and our future is God's advertising opportunity to make known who he is not to make known who we are he says be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth today we're gonna close with a song We actually started singing this song when we were just talking about going as a church. And Caleb reminded me today that this song we're about to sing, here it is again when we're talking about still going. And maybe for you today, as you look at the future and there's a temptation to fear instead of a temptation to walk in faith, you would see what God does. And you will see what? 
you do. And we'll do our piece of crying out to him. And he'll do his work of fulfilling his purpose for your life. It may be that his purpose for your life today would be to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why not call out to him today and let him save you from your sin and give you eternal life? Maybe his plan for you today would be to take a step of publicly declaring your faith, just like these five did earlier this morning. I'd love for you to tell me about it. Maybe his purpose for your life today is to not be gripped by fear, but to walk in faith. Start crying out to him today. Start singing out to him today. Start speaking out to him today. Let's stand. Father, today, would you be glorified in our hearts, in our lives, and in this place as we walk in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.